All right, so I guess people heard I was preaching tonight, so they didn't come. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, it is um, truly an honor to be able to um, stand up here behind this clear pulpit um, and be able to bring a word to you. Um, I've, I call it an honor because it truly is. Um, it's not something that I take lightly. It's not a, something that I feel like is uh, something that just everyone should do. Um, I've... I feel like without the calling that God puts upon your life, um, being up here can be dangerous uh, in more than one way. Dangerous for you and for me. Um, so, um, again, I, I just thank Pastor CJ for letting me come and uh, bring a word. Um, I had, I had uh, originally had a word uh, prepared that I thought I was going to share with you tonight. And uh, last night... Oh, it was about 6.30, 7 o'clock. Um, God just started downloading some new stuff on the same topic of the Holy Spirit, just um, downloading some new things um, and uh, just revealing to me some, some awesome aspects of what the Holy Spirit truly is. Um, but before we get into that, um, I am the lay young adult pastor here, um, and so uh, I've also been put in charge of doing the outreach uh, for the mission to Centerton. Um, and last Saturday on the 3rd, we had a, another missions to Centerton, and we got to go across the street. And there were, in total, six of us that showed up, two of them being my children. So it was me, my wife, uh, Marlon, and uh, his brother. Um, not many people, you would think, but God truly showed up that day. Um, we were able to reach 79 houses. Of the 79 houses, not all answered the door, but we were able to um, see fruit from that on Sunday. We did have one person come to church because of that, so praise God for that. I will say that there is plenty of room if you don't have anything to do on the 1st. On July 1st, we're doing the next outreach. Our, my goal is to have 10 groups, so that's 20 people minimum okay if we have 10 groups I think we can reach 200 houses with no problem within two hours so if we're able to do that I think by the end of well the end of the day on July 1st we should have all these streets covered that area 102 um, all the way down to the um, fire station so which doesn't seem like a whole lot but there's a lot of houses down there a lot of houses. So, anyway, if you're not doing anything July 1st, come on out. We will probably announce this again. It is going to be at 2 o'clock. Um, that gives you enough time to eat lunch. It gives us time for the people who we're going to go see to eat lunch. Um, what we're doing is basically we're just going house to house, and we are introducing ourselves, who we represent, Jesus, and New Song Church. First of all, Jesus. And that we've just we've come by just to see if they had any needs, see if there's anything we can pray with them about. Um, if they haven't found a home church yet, invite them to New Song. There's no shame in that. Inviting them to your church. What better place for them to go than your church? Um, then after that, if we if we have the ability to pray with them, we pray with them, and we invite them every Saturday that we go out. We invite them to the cookout that we have the following day. The first Saturday of every month will be the Saturday that we go 
out to, to minister. So that way they can come out, meet people, have a good time, fill their bellies, because who doesn't want to eat? So that's about what we do. Um, salvation is a big, big thing. We love to see salvations, but that's not particularly the whole point of what we're going out to do. We're not going out to beat the Bible onto people and say you need to be saved or you're going to go to hell. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to meet people, um, learn who they are, get a feel of what the community is around New Song, and to show the love of Jesus. So, with that being said, um, tonight I want to start with something that's a little old-fashioned, something that about 15 or 20 years ago most churches did. Um, They either did it on a Sunday night or they did it on Wednesday night, Um, not having potluck, just so you know. All right. This, what I'm talking about, um, is I want to start tonight off with some testimonies. Um, this past Sunday during Young Adults, and I talked to Nathan about this um, Sunday night too, we were, were doing a Bible study through the book of Acts. We started in Acts 1, and we're at, we're at Acts 14 now. Um, and in this chapter, Paul and Barnabas were spreading the gospel throughout Iconium and Lystra, and those of you who know the story, when he went to Lystra, um, they, the miracle happened and a guy was healed. And so they thought that Paul and Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and Hermes. Um, and so they began to worship them. They began to um, make sacrifices to them and just all these crazy things that uh, you and I wouldn't think of doing today. And so... All this was going on, and Paul and Barnabas were trying to convince them that they were not gods, that they were serving the one true God. They were not Zeus, they were not Hermes. Well, the Jews around got word of this, and this is where, this is the instance in which Paul gets stoned, um, and what the Jews believe to death. They thought he was stoned to death. Everybody remember this story, right? Okay, good, good. For those of you who don't remember, it's in Acts 14, 19 through 20. Um, let's go ahead and turn there. Just for kicks and giggles. So I think, I think this is uh, pretty interesting. This, this part alone is pretty interesting um, when you read it. Because I think a lot of times... There's a miracle that happens here, and I think a lot of times it gets, it gets missed because it's not something that comes out and says, this happened, miracle took place, then this happened. It was kind of just nonchalant. Um, so then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they had won over the crowds and, stone, and stoned Paul, they dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. After the disciples surrounded him, he just got stoned. They thought he was dead. Okay? Keep that in mind. After the disciples surrounded him, he got up and went into the town. He just got stoned. They thought he was dead. He just got up. He not only got up, but then he went with Barnabas to Derby. Stones were nothing, apparently. (laughs) That is, is amazing. But what is even more amazing than that? God healed him. He got up, walked to Derby. Then he had the audacity to turn around and go back to Lystra right after leaving Derby. And it, it was the very next day. <laughs> he came back. So Paul is either, at this point, he's either 
suffered a brain injury, or he has a whole lot more faith than what I have. Because going around the community door to door to tell people about Jesus is hard. We don't want to do it. It's uncomfortable. But Paul got stoned in Lystra, went to Derby, and then came back. Some of y'all are going to get that in just a second. <laughs> we have an outreach that we do once a month. We go door to door. It's uncomfortable. It's something we don't like doing. And yet we have such a hard time doing it. Me, myself, I have a hard time doing it. It's very uncomfortable just going up to a random person. Hi, I'm Danny. Jesus loves you. You have anything you need me to pray about, come to my church. Basically it. And it's very uncomfortable. But Paul, Paul gets stoned. They think he's dead. He goes to Derby. He returns the very next day. That is faith beyond understanding. That is obedience beyond understanding. God called him to go to Lystra. He is following the, the leading of the Holy Spirit going to all these places. So, so Paul and Barnabas, they go from Iconium to Lystra. He gets stoned. He gets healed. He goes to Derby, and then he goes back to Lystra. He goes to Iconium. And then he goes to Antioch, and he goes back, when he goes back to Antioch, he goes and encourages the church in their faith. Tell them about everything that happened, everything that went on. Tell them, hey, I got stoned, God healed me, and I went somewhere else and came back, and it was great. No big deal, right? Just brushed it off. Um, then after that, they went to Pisidia, Pamphylia, Perga, and then when they went down to Talia, I'm hoping I pronounced those right. Maybe not. But from there, they sailed back to Antioch. And that brings us up to verse 27, which is really the point of what we're talking about at this time. So Acts 14 and 27 says, After they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith in the Gentiles. And they spent a considerable time with the disciples. So I think it's, it's more than appropriate on occasions for us to have times where we get to share what God has done. Where we get to share what happened throughout our week, whether it was good, we got stoned, or whether it was awesome, somebody got healed. But God is working through each and every one of those scenarios, every one of those times. God is with you. God is bringing you through it. And I think it's important for us as the body to be able to share those times with others, other than just coming in, hearing the song, listening to a preacher, and going home. We should share those times to strengthen and to build up the faith of the saints, of those that we go to church with. Um, so, does anybody have a testimony? Let's get. In, in line with kind of what you're talking about, Michelle and I were eating at a restaurant uh, late one evening a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, apparently the lady had, had been to New Song at some time in the past. I, I really didn't know her, but she seemed to see me somewhere and said, oh, you're from, from that church over there. Well, we go on through the evening and just kind of as you're talking about stepping out as a comfort yeah. time, it, pay, it, it pays off at the end. Well, we got close to the time uh, at the end and we was about to leave and, and she just kind of opens up and starts talking yeah. to us. 
Shelly and I, and, and she starts telling us some, some problems and different things. And, you know, the uncomfortableness, but I knew where I had to go all of a sudden. I just said, hey, it, could we just pray for you right now? And yeah. Right in the middle wow. of the, the restaurant. And, say, and I, I looked at, well, I reached out and, and, and took her hand, and I'm looking at Shelly, and I really wish she it was uncomfortable for a minute. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Andrew. So just when you were talking about testimonies, I was thinking about what God done recently, even in the last few months. And uh, I would say um, God has really blessed Chelsea and I with um, job-wise with me. Um, six and a half months ago, we found out she was pregnant. And I was making hardly any money working at the Walmart home office as a temporary associate. And I, I was basically honest I was kind of upset with God because I was like how in the world am I going to pay for a baby when I can hardly provide for Chelsea and I Yeah. and uh, God has just shown up I mean in the last six and a half months I have got a, almost a three dollar raise per hour and Praise I God. Mow yards on the side um, which I actually told all my mowing customers last year I'm never going to mow again so <laughs> <laughs> you won't see me my dad might come mow your yard but see me again. Um, I, ha- I hate mowing, to be honest, because I've mowed all my life. But um, God allowed that to, allowed me to have my yards back, even specific customers that I needed to have back. Um, I just called them up and I said, do you need someone to mow? And they said, we'll, we'll be glad to take you back, Andrew. And so Amen. God has provided financially um, just in the last six and a half months. So. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? We were talking at uh, the ladies' group last night about God's extravagant love. Yeah. And we looked at um, Psalms 23, where it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. No matter where we go, if we're up or down, or in the valley, or on the mountaintop, His goodness and mercy is going to follow us. It's always there. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. I have one, Jane. I had several, but I want to tell this one. I, um, some years back, I got, <laughs> I just, 
put it the way I really mean it. I got pulled into a difficult situation between a couple pastors and between a gentleman uh, that had been at both churches. And uh, I won't go into how I got pulled into that. But I got a phone call, and basically I, I need you to take my side. And, and uh, by the time it was done, the Holy Spirit had said to all of the three, the three pastors said the same thing to, to this gentleman. And, and uh, you know, he still stayed in contact, even though I delivered tough news, basically said what these other pastors were saying without even knowing what they said. And uh, so it was a difficult situation, and it was kind of one of those where most time people just, they don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, just through different things, uh, short conversations running each other, but recently this, this person's come back and just been saying, how, how can I help you, you know, and, and can, how can I make things easier for you? And, and it's just been coming and giving some of his time uh, to the Lord. And, and the Lord really spoke to me through that because I had, my wife keeps a prayer journal, and I really should. She writes down some of mine <laughs> because I don't. Um, and I challenge other people to do this because I've seen it with her. But, um, you know, at one time we prayed when we were building our house that we needed help with the framing because I didn't know everything I was doing. And God sent a guy who came out for four months and helped us and didn't want hardly anything back. And we prayed, we've, we've done that. We prayed pe- for specific people at New Song. And um, a while back I had prayed, I said, and this has been probably six months ago, four months ago, I was like, God, through ministry there's always difficult conversations and sometimes it's just like we see in the Bible, there's a separation. It's not that this person doesn't love God and, and it's not that you don't love God, but there's differences and there's separation. And, and uh, I started praying for all the churches that God bring healing to the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, so this one example is just one of those. But we've seen that time and time again. It's like we prayed that. God bring healing. Bring relationships back there. Bring resolution. Bring, uh, uh, let, let the hurt and those things dissipate and let the enemy lose. And um, so it's just been neat to see see God start to work in those things. It's just been taken apart those Amen. Amen. Anybody else? All right. Well, I would definitely encourage um, everyone. You know, throughout the week, God does some awesome things for every one of us, um, whether we know it or not. But during the times that we get to notice those and we get to bask in the in the greatness of God, um, I encourage you to share that. Um, whether it's in service like this or you just call a brother or sister on the phone and say, hey, guess what God did? Um, God did this and it was awesome. Because um, that's what we're all here for. Iron sharpens iron. Um, and we need each other to, to help sharpen each other, build us in faith, um, and to help us grow the kingdom of God. So all that has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon. Nothing. Um, but it, it was it was important. I felt like God really wanted uh, really wanted to do that. Really wants us to um, draw closer together. Um, I made a crack a couple months ago about the community series that CJ had done, and uh, ever since then, God has just been drilling me, drilling me about how important it is. Um, it is so important. Um, most of you weren't there when I did it because we were at a in a class, <laughs> a partnership class, but. Uh, um, it was unintentional, but it happened. And ever since then, God has just been drilling in me how, how important community is, how important fellowship is um, with fellow believers. 
I mean, it's not mentioned just one time in the Bible. It is all throughout. Um, that seems to be a, a common theme, um, is to gather with those that love Jesus, to share in the things that he's done, and to go out and to share with those that don't know him yet. So today I want to talk about um, the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit a lot, um, which I think is very relevant, especially in the time that we're in right now, because we are definitely heavily relying on the Holy Spirit and what we need to do for our building project and the things that um, we need to do in the community, the things that are happening throughout the world. We rely on the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as a, um, our peacekeeper. Uh, we rely on Him to speak to us, to tell us what we need to say when we talk to those that are lost and those that are hurting. Um, but for some reason... I think today, in today's Christianity, um, in, the, in the, the culture and even in, in, in the vernaculars, the, the, the term the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost is like, it's almost, when you say Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, people cringe. Unless they're Pentecostal or something like that, they cringe. They're like, oh no, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has so many different different aspects involved with it. You know, you, when you take God the Father, we all know who God the Father is, right? God the Father, He's in heaven. God the Son, we all know who He is, Jesus. Um, but God the Holy Spirit, we often refer to the Spirit as it. Um, the Holy Spirit is not an it. <laughs> it is the third person of the Trinity. It is a person. It has a personality. And so, tonight... As a lot, of, a lot of topics on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and all that are very um, controversial. Tonight, I just want to talk about the Holy Spirit in general. Um, who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, how does He affect our life? And I'm going to try very hard not to call the Holy Spirit it because I do it too. <laughs> um, but tonight, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit and how He is involved in our life. When we look at the life of Jesus, um, when we look at when He began His, His ministry, there was one event that happened prior to Him beginning His ministry. Jesus went to John the Baptist and was baptized with water, and the Holy Spirit descended on Him like a dove. I think it is more than just a coincidence that at that point is when Jesus began really going out and ministering to people. I think it's more than just a coincidence that that is when Satan attacked him. Um, you know, we, we know the story, Jesus gets baptized, dove comes down, Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Mind you, before he did anything, at this point he didn't do anything. The Holy Spirit come down, God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit drives him into the wilderness, immediately. Um, he didn't wait. He gets baptized, Holy Spirit comes down, and he goes into the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days, and then it's after that that Satan tempts Jesus. Um, he brings him on top of a hillside, shows him the world, shows him this is, this is the kingdom you can have, tells him to, to turn a stone into bread because obviously he's hungry after fasting 40 days. Just all these things. Um, but I find it interesting that it wasn't until after the Holy Spirit came down and rested upon him that the devil attacked him. 
One English Christian leader and Anglican clerk, John R.W. Stott, said, Before Christ sent the church into the world, He sent the Spirit into the church. The same order must be observed today. The Kwani Greek word pneuma, I'm going to use some Greek terms that I'm not very good at, but uh, I think it's important for us to know the difference. Um, so the Kwani word pneuma, um, meaning breath, air, or spirit, um, is found approximately 385 times in the New Testament. Um, with new scholars differing uh, by three to nine occurrences, pneuma appears 105 times in the four Gospels, 69 times in the books of, book of Acts, 161 times in the Pauline Epistles, and 50 more times in random areas um, in other books. Um, the usages of the, of the word spirit or pneuma um, they vary. In a few cases, that simply mean just generically to mean wind or life. Not particularly referring to the Holy Spirit, but just life in general. Um, in 133 cases, it refers to spirit um, in general. So not, not necessarily the Holy Spirit, but say your spirit. Um, those kind of things. Um, and in 153 cases, to spiritual things. Um, things that affect your spirit, things that uh, can help or hinder your spirit. Around 93 times the references to the Holy Spirit, sometimes under the name Numa, and also sometimes explicitly, explicitly as the another one, Numa Tohegion, meaning Holy Spirit. Uh, Numa again means uh, breath, air, or spirit, and Hegion means sacred blameless, saint, or most holy, meaning the Holy Spirit. The English term Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit are completely synonymous. Um, and it, the word Holy Ghost is shared um, in all Germanic languages and is older than the term Holy Spirit. But in the King James Bible, both terms were used interchangeably mainly because in the 20th century, trans translations of the Bible overwhel overwhelmingly preferred the Holy Spirit, probably because in the English term ghost was used for the spirit of a dead person. Um, so if you're reading your Bible and you see the term Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, it's the same thing. All right. So just in case you were wondering, there is no difference. They are interchangeable and basically just differences in cultural proclivities. It's just whatever they preferred. Um, some other names uh, in use for the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've got them in, in the Old Testament. Of course, is the Holy Spirit. We've got the Spirit of God, the breath of the Spirit of life, Spirit of Yahweh, Spirit of wisdom, Spirit of counsel and might, and spirit of understanding and fear of Yahweh. The New Testament, we find also the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. We find the Spirit of God, the Intercessor, the Spirit of Truth, and the Spirit of Christ. So a lot of names.
So I have some references um, for the Holy Spirit being used in the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah 63.10 being one. Um, yes. Uh, no, you're good. It's a good question. One that I may not have a full answer to. But I will, I will look and and see if I can find a, a good example here. Well, the the earliest. Um, The earliest point in the Bible where they talk about the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God is in Genesis 1-2. Um, so, now the earth was formless and empty. Right, yeah, okay. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Um, just as God the, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, as far as I could I can tell they have always been. Time is not a, a factor with them. And so um, they've always been a part of, of life. Um, now I think the, uh, the thing with Jesus, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when Jesus um, was going to heaven, he said he was going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Uh, now that is, that is when the baptism of the Holy Spirit began after that. Until that point, I don't see anything um, where where people were baptized with the Holy Spirit um, in, in the Old Testament. Yeah, you're, you're correct. So the difference, Don, I think is in what Danny is, is saying is um, and what, what may seem new to you, probably you actually know it's a different term. There, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit entering into, into man as an indwelling and the difference between the interaction with the Holy Spirit with creation. And so prior to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the Acts account when said the comforter, he's sending the comforter, um, it was a direct sending then for all of us to have the Holy Spirit living in us at the same time, which is beyond our understanding for him, that the fullness of the Holy Spirit, it's not like I've got this much, one one millionth of the Holy Spirit, but we all have the Holy Spirit living in us as Christians, and then of course the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the evidence of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the believers, um, so that was a new covenant and a new thing that happened, but, but the Holy Spirit had as one of the Godhead, had always interacted in creation from the beginning of time. So it was moving about and being used in, in creation. Because if you think about it, God sent his, sent his only son. In other words, God and his son Jesus, although they came and spoke with Moses at the burning bush, and you see other examples, but he comes, but there wasn't indwelling, uh, living inside of us, literally being able to, to, to speak to our hearts in a different way. It was always an external speaking to coming before and speaking.
speaking to man, but not an indwelling man speaking within us. I think I, I think I know what you're saying. Um, so, I, what if if I'm getting uh, what you're saying? It until until Jesus died on, on the cross, the Holy Spirit could not indwell inside of us. Um, and if I'm thinking correctly, the Holy Spirit, being perfect, um, could not indwell in something that is is not made clean, that is the not holy, sanctified. The holy, holy, so the curse was born for that the presence of God. questions go ahead and ask I will not be nervous I lie <laughs> all right so the first thing I want to get into is the personality of the Holy Spirit beings the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity we can assume that the Holy Spirit has a personality it's not just some inanimate object sitting there moving or like the air that just moves at random um, the Holy Spirit has a personality and so the first thing I want to talk about with the personality of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit speaks um, the Holy Spirit is not something that would just randomly do something or say something the Holy Spirit will speak to you to your heart to your mind um, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you things that that it wants you to he wants you to know see I told you um, so acts 28 25 says and disagreeing among themselves they departed after Paul had made one statement the statement being the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your father through Isaiah the prophet Go to the people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will in indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely hear, and their eyes they, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Let's go ahead and turn to Matthew 10. Matthew 10, 19. Again, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, His, person, his personality, and His ability to speak. 
So in Matthew 19, verse 20, no, Matthew 10, 19 and 20, um, my Bible is in red, so obviously this is Jesus speaking. Uh, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. Um, pretty awesome. Great, especially when you're super nervous and you lose your place in the sermon. Just great. Just let the Holy Spirit take over. Um, also, a few other areas if you're taking notes. Um, Acts 21 and 11. Acts 8, 29, Hebrews 3, 7, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, tell me when you got enough, and Revelations 2, 2. All of those scripture references refer to the Holy Spirit speaking either to you or through you. All right. Next, the Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. John 14, 26. I'll go ahead and turn there. Read that one. If you got it, say amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. If you don't, hurry up. Just kidding. Heard that preacher say that once. Thought it was funny. <laughs> All right, John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Teacher, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Very important scripture when you are reading the Bible. <laughs> I know too often in my life I would take the Bible, I will get it out, and I'm doing my nightly Bible study, so I'm going to read my chapter. I read it and I go to bed. And I got nothing about it, out of it, and I could not remember what I read the night, the day after. But when you sit down, you pray, you ask the Holy Spirit to enter into to this study, and you ask Him to reveal to you what it is that He wants you to know. It's amazing the things that get revealed to you. It is amazing. Um, and you remember. <laughs> he brings it to your remembrance. Um, I can remember all kinds of times when I was a when I was in high school, and I was, going back to what you said earlier, I, I was on fire for God. I was just taking my Bible everywhere. I was reading it. Daryl was doing the same thing. It was incredible. But I would be witnessing to people, and I'd be talking to them, and all of a sudden something would come out from the book of Habakkuk, and I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but it's there. And <laughs> it, would come, it would come to my remembrance, and I would, and I would use it as, as a reference to what I'm talking about. It was amazing. Um, and it happens today. It continues to happen. It would happen more if I would do, as this verse says, is to allow the Holy Spirit to teach you things. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring it back to remembrance. Let's look at Nehemiah 9.20. Nehemiah 9.20. <laughs> when you've got there, say Amen. 
Now they do have my notes back there, so that's why. <laughs> Nehemiah 9.20. All right. So verse 20 says, You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their heart. God teaches and instru- God's spirit teaches and instructs us in the way we are to go and the things we are to do. It does not control us by any means. The Holy Spirit will not control you, but it will help you and teach you and instruct you in the things that you should do. A few other verses if you're writing them down is Mark 13:11, Luke 12:12, 12, 12, and then 1 John 2 27. The third part to the Holy Spirit and His personality is the Holy Spirit strives after those well, after the sought, after sinners, after those who do not know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit strives after them. Let's look at John 6.44. I have a lot of Scripture, and we will not read them all. But I will hopefully be able to give them to you for study later on. John 6.44 No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. John 6.65 And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. The Holy Spirit draws people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is what helps us understand that we need Jesus. It is what helps us come to the realization that we are all sinners um, and that we have all sinned no matter how awesome you think you are, no, no matter how good of a person you think you are, we have all sinned. And it's the Holy Spirit that draws us to Jesus. It is the Spirit who gives life to those that are lifeless. The next, number four, the fourth aspect of the personality of the Holy Spirit is he comforts Acts 9:31 Acts 9:31 So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort 
of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. With the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. I think that's a, an important concept. Um, multiplication happens when the Holy Spirit is involved. I think a lot of times we get too wrapped up in, what, in the things that we're feeling, the things that we want. Um, and so, say we want to go out and we want to witness and we just do it nonchalantly. God can bless that, but I think if we go out, prayed up, walking in the Spirit, doing as the Spirit instructs us to do, I believe that the outcome, the multiplication, will be that much greater. Let's look at John 14. Verses 15 through 21. Alright. So again, this is Jesus. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit a lot. So we can automatically think that it's important. <laughs> Jesus says it. It's got to be important, right? Amen? Alright, alright. There we go. Okay, so verse 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my com commandments and keeps them, he it, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Number five, the Holy Spirit's personality helps in our infirmities, in our weaknesses. When we mess up, the Holy Spirit is there to help us, to help correct us, to put us back on the path of righteousness that God desires for us to be on. Romans 8.22 22 and 23. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So as we seek after God, as we seek salvation or or redemption as 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 we repent it is the holy spirit that makes those things evident to us it's the holy spirit that enables us to ask for forgiveness 
8.26 in Romans says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When we, do not, when we don't know what to pray for, when we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to ask, the Holy Spirit is what enables us to pray for those things, whether it's in tongues or whether it's in, in verbiage that we can understand. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to pray for those things. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit that prompts us to pray for the things that we normally wouldn't think to pray for. A couple other aspects of the Holy Spirit. Number six is the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit is, is a person. It has a personality. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. First Thessalonians 5.19 If I'm going too fast, tell me. And I will slow down. In this verse we find that we can quench the Spirit. We can hinder the Spirit from doing the things He wants to do. I wouldn't advise it, but it can happen. Hebrews 10.29 Hebrews 10, verse 29. You guys didn't know you were going to hand work out today, did you? Very good. So, verse 29 says, How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. Now, in th this word outrage, um, I'm not going to pronounce it in Greek. Um, starts with an A. But it's. Let me find it here. It means to insult, um, to despite upon. So. We can insult the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, as we all have, I'm sorry, seventhly, we all have free will. We all have the ability to resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be resisted. We see it a lot throughout the Bible, but we're not going to go through all of them. 
If you guys do not have a concordance to look at, I would recommend getting one. Um, to be honest, I got ma majority of these verses from a concordance. Um, it's incredible when you're trying to study how, how, how a concordance can come in, in handy. You, you find a verse, there's a word you don't understand, look it up. And it will show you where it's at in Scripture, what it means. It's incredible. So that, that, that's how I got a lot of my Scripture. Some I did the old-fashioned way through reading and all that good stuff. A lot of it came through concordance. Acts 6, 9, and 10. All right. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedom, as it was called, and the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Stephen was speaking with such power, with such boldness, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that people could not deny that it was real, could not deny the words that he was speaking were real. They can resist and leave and do whatever else they wanted to do, but they could not deny that what he was saying was true and was from God. Mark 3 and 29 says, But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Um, we have all heard that verse at some point, and I have had nightmares <laughs> growing up as a child over that verse. Um, but this, in this instance right here, this is more than resistance. This is completely... Uh, going against uh, in, a, in a way that is uh, you cannot return from. But um, that is uh, Mark 3 29. Mm -hmm. I do. Another thing you should get is logos. Logos is awesome. If you really want to study, you got to have some tools. Um, so here, the Greek for blaspheme in this instance is blasphemio, um, which is to vilify, um, to speak impiously, um, defame, rail on, revile, or speak evil. See, the wheels are turning. <laughs> I mean, would you say, I mean, if, uh, I know what the blasphemy is to me, and, I, mm -hmm. and it runs along those lines, um, but isn't 
great society, particularly in, you see a lot of the media side of things that, that might would fit within some of that definition uh, as far as uh, it's totally and completely being against you know, the Holy Spirit or, or, or God or you know, however people want to you know, term the Trinity. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. To see if that, you know, if, if, if that definition matches what it seems seems to say, because it plainly says, um, you know, he never has forgiven. Yeah. I mean, I, I I've what, been. Where, where do you draw? I mean, where do you? I mean, where's the line drawn? Well, can I give you something that doesn't answer your question? But I think same way and then, um, so if I can give you what seems like a silly analogy when you're going down I-49 and there's a wreck and everybody is driving five miles an hour look at that wreck and you finally get up and realize the wreck had nothing to do with the slow traffic but yet everybody had to look and then, you go to, and then everybody wants to look up online later and see I wonder what happened oh they were drinking and driving right and we know not to drink and drive there's some that will not heed that warning and will go that path and then we're all observing and so we find a little bit of comfort in ourselves that we weren't the ones drinking and driving and that's a lesson to myself that's what happened I look at blasphemy of the Holy Spirit in a similar way we aren't the ones who really can determine whether somebody's blaspheming the Holy Spirit nor if they've done that and it is a point if it is a point where they have severed their conscience, if you will, or from the Holy Spirit and there's no turn back, guess what our job still is to do, is to bring the gospel to them. And I look at this as just simply a warning that you should reverence and take very much care and take care in the workings of the Holy Spirit and be careful not to blaspheme. I worried about all my, now don't get this wrong, but I'm just going to tell you because this is who they were. I worried about my junior high Baptist friends when I got filled with them baptized with the Holy Spirit who told me that was the work of the devil and not God, because I knew what happened to me was real, and very much God, and I didn't have a lot of AG friends, all my kids in the youth group, you know, they went to other schools, you went to other schools, all the other members have been there, so I was by myself for the most part in my junior high, so I got filled with the Holy Spirit, so I worried about them, I'm like, oh, they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and now they have no hope, and so I think we, without delaying too much, I think what we have, sometimes we spin our wheels around subjects where and the drive behind the passage is to give us guidelines, those who have let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. The fact that we worry about it indicates we aren't there. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we're worried about whether we grieve the Holy Spirit, so we are carrying on and following the Lord. So obviously we have not severed our, our relationship completely. Yeah. So it's a matter of a warning, but yet as long as you know you're on the other end of that, that's really where you can stop what's in the passage.
Well, maybe, maybe not. Again, I think the irony of all ironies of this, today as I was um, researching for another test, you know, I was on YouTube again, and an excerpt came up because when you type in things about Holy Spirit or whatever, you also get some pretty negative stuff with positive. Hmm. And there was, I won't mention, but I, I think he's a rap star or something, but he's on there saying God did not write the Bible. God did not write the Quran. He's basically saying you don't need anything written. He's not the one that wrote it. That was the men that wrote it. And he's, he's cursing through the whole thing, and he's making fun of much of the work of the Holy Spirit in it. And that was exactly very timely. My thought is, I wonder if this guy is, you know. And again, he may be the one in the wreck that was drinking and driving, but my point is pray for him, and that's for God to determine. Yeah. Um, I think we sometimes worry and spend our time because we'll have non-believers ask us what we're worried about. Well, what if I grieve the Holy Spirit? What if I blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Well, let's pray and God begins using your life and everything. You'll know right away because when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, obviously you're still in connection. Yeah. No, you're good. Well, you have to keep in mind with Paul, he was actually doing that to the Christians on behalf of God right. yeah. in his heart. So he actually, he was a, uh, uh, you know, he was studying uh, to be a, a Pharisee. Of Pharisees. He, yeah. he knew the law and he right. practiced the law, and so he was very careful about the word of God. It was, uh, it was the proclamation of the Messiah, right. uh, of who the Messiah was, that was the issue, and he was persecuting the Christians on behalf of what they thought was a crazy man claiming to be the Messiah. So. I see where you see that, but a little different because I think with the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is where we get into like, I mean, you know, if, if the Holy Spirit, you know, caused me to speak in tongues, I have this great moment, but then my heart just changes and I decide to curse that. You know, I think that's where I, in my mind, I start to go when I think of really grieving the Holy Spirit and turn around and just trampling on the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Yeah, I. As a kid, that was always something that, that uh, I was afraid of. And uh, I talked to um, a pastor uh, from, uh, from Oklahoma, um, and he basically uh, summed it up. Um, and that's kind of how I've, I've seen it um, from then on, was it's not easy um, to truly really blaspheme the Holy Spirit because it takes a change of heart. Um, it takes a complete... Um, rejection um, and removal of the Holy Spirit in your life in order to do that. Um, for somebody to make a joke about the Holy Spirit where that is undignified and I would think was wrong um, would not necessarily be blaspheming the Holy Spirit um, because we we do things all the time against against God. We do things all the time that that we sin. <laughs> um, and if those little things like that were to be blaspheming the Holy Spirit, there would be not a person that would make it. Um, and so blaspheming the Holy Spirit is something that is is mind-altering, um, heart-altering, and something that would be notable. <laughs> That's it. But it's kind of That's ironic, it. ironic because our very discussion here on this, it reminds me of the disciples, it's kind of this measuring ourselves. 
how far can I go? Yeah. God, they were asking Jesus. Yeah. What if someone does it? What if we do this? And and I think really it comes back to like in Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount, this one, the, the attitude, the heart. What can I give up for the power of Christ? Not what I can get away with. And then really the virtue. You're not rubbernecking going down the road anymore at the pastor over here with your mother. You're you're just praying for him, you know, and moving on down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Well, that sounds like a good place to stop. Um, that gets me about a third of the way through. Um, <laughs> but hey, it was it was good, and I would not cha- trade it for nothing. Um, so you know, the next time I get to preach, I'll continue on this. Hopefully, if the Lord will is willing and um, wants me to do it. But uh, um. You know, if, if, you, if you didn't get anything out of tonight other than the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person, um, I think that is the, the, the main thing tonight. The Holy Spirit, He is a person. He, inter, he interacts with uh, our lives daily. Um, he is not just some, some randomness. Uh, there is vision. There is, there is um, what's the word I'm looking for? Intention. And what the Holy Spirit does in our life. Um, and so if, if there's ever been a, a question of whether or not the Holy Spirit is indeed relevant today, if the Holy Spirit is indeed relevant and, and is needed in our life, the answer is yes, by all means. There's too many references to the Holy Spirit. Um, there's too many things that happen through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to disregard that, that part of the Trinity. Um, so tonight I just want to leave you with that. Um, if you have any more questions, love to hear them. Probably won't be able to answer them, but I will try to find out the answer. Um, like I said before, the Holy Spirit is something that, that is, is hard to talk about. It's something that, even in the Christian vernacular, is something that when somebody says, what do you think about the Holy Spirit? It kind of makes you cringe. It's kind of like, oh no, what are we going to get into here? Because um, there's just a lot involved. Um, but I assure you, the, the Holy Spirit is no different um, than the Father and the Son, because they are the Trinity. They are three in one. Uh, so, amen. Let's go ahead and end in prayer. Um, if if you want, I can go ahead and end it, or unless you have something you want to say. You, you pray, and then I, I do have something to say. Okay, all right. Let's go in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for tonight, God. We thank you for your word, God. Father, we thank you, God, that we can that we can come to you, Father, and we can ask that your Holy Spirit help us to understand, to learn, God, that your word would be illuminated to us, Father. Lord, I pray, God, as we leave this place, Father, we, wouldn't, we would not leave, God, with confused or, or with, with anything in reservation, God. But, Father, if we have any questions, Father, I pray that we would go home, Father, we would search those out in our own time, in our own Bibles, Father, seeking you, God, as your Holy Spirit guides and illuminates your word for us. Father, I pray, God, Lord, that you would Go with us, Father. You would keep us safe, Father. And I pray, God, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would become more real to us tonight as, as we begin to go to bed. Father, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would be more real tonight, God, and we would walk in your Spirit in the morning. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank uh, Pastor Danny for bringing the word for us tonight. What I'm going to say, I mean with all my heart, because I know that feeling, because I have it every Sunday still, uh, after 